Matthew chapter 20 is where we're at, and this is a portion of Scripture that has bothered me over the years. It really bothered me. I just could not come to terms with it because I've had people work for me, and I've worked for people, and it just never really made a lot of sense to me. And as I was studying <clears throat> the Scriptures, this kind of come to me a while back, and I, I just wanted to put it in its place because as... These, we see the times approaching now, and I'm looking forward to heaven. Maybe it'll be my time to look forward to heaven, but I think the whole world, we should be focusing on heaven. And what catches me always when I look at this portion of Scripture, it's I got a little subtitle uh, that the printers put in here. It's called Workers in the Vineyard. I, I want to attest to you that this portion of Scripture isn't only about workers. Because what always catches my attention is the very first seven or six letters, for the kingdom of heaven, it, for the kingdom of heaven is like. There, this is about the kingdom of heaven, and I couldn't see what all this laborers in the vineyard was had to do with the kingdom of heaven. It just seemed like it's good moral practice, but then ethical practice. But then, if you look at business, business ethics, as an employee. I had no problem with it, but it, as an employer or one who was, excuse me, as an employee, I had problems with it. As an employer, I didn't, and that's the key to the whole thing. As an employee, I would get upset. I worked at a, a Baymore Pet Feeds. If you ever buy bird seed, at least in the last few years, you'll see this little yellow canary on a big bag of bird seed that's all made in Kansas. When I first got to Kansas, I didn't have a pickup truck, and that, that means you're pretty broke. <laughs> and uh, went to work at Baymore Pet Feeds and worked there for, oh, probably better part of a year until my horseshoeing picked up and I was shoeing horses on the side. And that was a thing God worked out because I didn't know what I was going to do when I got there, but I knew God wanted me there. And I got there to Kansas. You, you'd know the country, Baymore Pet Feeds over there. And uh, worked there, and we, we, it was a tight little bunch of guys. There was probably six of us in the whole plant, and we handled most of the Midwest's milo that went into bird seed, and it was a big sunflower seeds. We'd pile sunflower sacks, and the railroad would back up, and they'd ho throw it on boxcars, and we had to keep them boxcars filled. It was a lot of work, but there was only about six of us there, including the manager. Well, that one fall it got particularly busy, and so we uh, we took and uh, hired a new man. He came on just before Thanksgiving, and uh, we always worked. We got lots of hours, but we didn't get paid super good. But at the end of the year, we got quite a bonus. We got a nice bonus, and I was looking forward to that bonus because when you're not making a lot of money, it's hard to save any, and that bonus would always come in as a as a save, and then you could afford to get the pickup truck, you could afford to buy the kids all new shoes and that sort of thing. And so uh, we're six, it was always six to come down from the parent company, it was six divided by, you know, whatever the amount was, and the manager usually come out around Christmas time and tell us how much bonus we earned. And this young guy came on, and he worked at Thanksgiving. He got hired at Thanksgiving. And 
boss come out at Christmas and said, we get X amount of dollars this year for our bonus. And the kid wasn't a real good worker, and he didn't show up a lot of times, and he happened to be gone that day, and he says to us, we're all sitting there in the break room, which was his office, actually, and he says, we're going to divide this up six ways, or are we going to divide it up seven ways? Because the kid's only been here less than 30 days, but he'll have his 30 days in before the check comes at the first of the year, and you guys, do you want to divide it up six ways? Us four and five, six? Or do you want to divide it up with the new man that just got hired on the other day? Well, we heemed and hawed, and you're talking, it made a difference of a couple, several hundred dollars. We heemed and hawed and said, well, if the kid works out, you know, he's, it's just, we all get hired on, so we'll let him get his cut. And along of it was, is, Come after Christmas, we all got a check, you know, our first of the year. And he got his, and he quit in two weeks. Well, this, that always, when I read this portion of Scripture, that always, well, what's he just trying to do, set everybody straight? Or where is this going? If you look at it in the way that, oh, I, we all worked all year for that bonus. He worked about 45 days when it all got taken care of. We got even with him. We took his coveralls, which they give you at the first of the year, and we glued his pockets shut and hung it up in the rafters. <laughs> that was our revenge. So when he left, we, he had to go find it out of the locker, and it was one of them big car art coveralls, you know, and we had every pocket with the glue that we glued the bags shut with. We just filled his pockets all up with glue, put a little bird seed in them, so when he cut it, it all... That was our big revenge. But he, he left, you know, and that was, that was all the further it went. But you can see the hard feelings that result when wages are in, in question. And you can understand here, we'll read the portion of Scripture here now, and then we'll go to the point that I think God's making with this because he's not likening it to the, he's liking it to the kingdom of God. What does that have to do with the kingdom? You know, well, it's got a lot to do with ethics, but like unto a man that is a householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers on into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, penny was about the average daily wage at that time in that area and that when this was presented as a parable. And he went out in about the third hour and saw, okay, and he went and agreed with the laborers for a penny a day he sent them into the vineyard. Now, that the commentaries and all that will tell you that's about at dawn. And you ever work day labor? Is there anybody here who ever worked day labor? You go down to the courthouse or in this part of the country, you usually go over to Builder Square. You never worked day labor? Jay? Are you there? Yeah. Albert, have you ever worked day labor? Okay, I have. And you go down to Home Depot, and you uh, hear it's Home Depot, because I've seen some of the guys there this when I was in Anchorage not too long ago. And uh, you go down to Home Depot, and you uh, wait around by the door, and guys come out, and they're getting their lumber, they're getting their plumbing supplies, and you offer to help them pick, load it onto their truck. And either you tip them if you're the employee, or you hire them for the rest of the day. 
and I've hired some guys for the rest of the day. They looked like they were going to work. Well, that's, that's what was going on here. The convenient place in town, somewhere where everybody kind of congregated that was going to work that day. Maybe it's where they all watered their livestock. Maybe, it's with the, the, uh, maybe it was the Home Depot in that area. And uh, they went there, and uh, they hired day laborers. And this guy went down, and he got uh, a guy, and it was usually in the morning. And he went about the third hour, which is somewhere around 9 o'clock, break time. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and wait whatsoever is right, I will pay you. Uh, again, he went out about the sixth hour, which would be about noon, and he did the likewise. And he hired these day laborers at noon. And about the 11th hour, which would be somewhere between 3 and 5 o'clock, it, it ends up about 5 o'clock in verse 8. And he went about the 11th hour and went about and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? First place they were willing to work or they wouldn't have been there. So he says, well, Might as well put you guys to work if you're here. Then they said unto him, Because no man has hired us, he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even he was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And the verse that is ends with in verse 16, So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, over in Anchorage, many are called, but most are frozen. And uh, <laughs> that's the way it was when it was 30 below when we were there the other day. So even, so even was come, and the Lord of the vineyard saith unto the steward. Now, verse 9, and when they had come, they, when, when they had come that were hired about the 11th hour, they received every man a penny. Everyone got a penny. The one that came and only worked two or three hours got the same as the guy who worked all day in the sun. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. I can see sitting in that break room. And then after he left, we all went into the break room. We took a real long break. We were upset. But we had all gotten together and said, go ahead and pay him his, we'll help him to stick it out. And, but when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. They likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. They murmured against the good man of the house. If this is heaven, who's the good man of the house? Who did they murmur against? And that's not the point. Saying, these, saying this, least have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden of and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, same thing he answered Judas with. Remember, friend? 
I do these no wrong. Dost thou agree with me for a penny? Didn't you say you were going to hire on for a penny? And didn't you say you were going to come on and, and work, you know, when we'd split the profit, we'd split the bonus? Didn't you agree for that? But he answered, okay, verse 14, Take that thine is, and go thy way, and I will give unto the last, even as unto thee. It is not lawful for me to, is it not lawful to do what I with, will with mine own? That's verse 15. That's where I come to a conclusion here. This portion of Scripture is about God's sovereignty. Now, you can look up sovereignty in the dictionary, but you won't find it in the Bible. I'll explain sovereignty for you, and it'll be found in one of the best places we can find it is, is in 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. Go to 1 Chronicles 29, way in the Old Testament there. Right after the Pentateuch. And Kings Chronicles. After Kings, First Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. This is the definition of sovereignty. You know, when we study our Bible, we're supposed to go precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. First Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. My son, be not thou negligent, my children be in sin before you. No, that's First Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. Okay. Go, if you would, to my second witness. Next Okay. I pray for Mrs. Uh, pray for Mrs. Uh, Julie, because uh, she usually helps me along here on this line. I got the wrong, I've got the right, I'm, Something's wrong with my reference. Psalms, let's go to Psalms 135, 6, and 7. That's the next definition of God's sovereignty. And then we'll come up with it in uh, Isaiah, and it'll end up in the New Testament. Let's go to uh, Psalms 135, 6 through 7. And I'm, I know why I'm screwed up. I'm in Second Chronicles. There we go. And, and it's what's written here, First Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. Go back, and then we'll hit Psalms, and then we'll jump into what I'm trying to do. Thank you. First Chronicles 29. There it is. There's my marker. Huh? First Chronicles 29. It's right after the do it portion of Scripture that I like to pick on. Look at 1 Chronicles 29, verses 11 through 14. This is the definition of God's sovereignty, or what sovereignty is. Thine, O Lord, thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. God's sovereignty. 
both riches and honor come of thee, and thou grantest, thou reignest over all. In thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thee, praise thy glorious name. Oh, that's Old Testament, preacher. Yeah, let's go to Psalms then. Let's go to Psalms. I got it written down here in my little book. This margin, 135, 6, and 7. You might be familiar with this, Psalms 135, 6, and 7. We're looking at God's sovereignty. What is sovereignty? Supreme is what we get the word, uh, our English word out of it. Psalms 135, 6, and 7. And I'm already in Proverbs. I'll go back a few. 135, 6, and 7. I'll pick it up in five. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleaseth, that did he in heaven and in earth and in the seas and in the deep places. And it goes on to tell you some of the things he does. He causes the vapor to ascend into the earth. It talks about the uh, uh, before the flood right there. Let's look at, uh, let's look at Matthew 6. 13, in our New Testament. That's not too far away. Matthew 6, 13. Boy, I like to hear that. And this is Jesus Christ praying to the Heavenly Father. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God's sovereignty. He's above all. He can pay us whatever he wants as we work in his vineyard. Some people get haywired. I had a church once in a little country town. We started a church. And you know I had the audacity to go on to the backside of town and invited some people that weren't the same nationality. Even the, They weren't even the same color as most of the congregation. They had a little trouble with that for a while. I know another minister that had problems with uh, a baptistry because they wouldn't get baptized. The people following up wouldn't get baptized in the same water that somebody else got baptized in. We all get paid the same. There's other people that go, there's other people that talk about how Oh, I've been a member of this church. I, I had a gentleman tell me right to my face as I, I got out of Bible college. He says, you know, I've been saved since 1954, which happened to be my birthday year. And he says, we're not going to allow those kind of people in our church. I was talking about the, immigration, the immigrant camp that was outside of town, the people that came in seasonally and picked peppers and whatever else we had growing out in the fields. We're not going to dirty our church carpet up with it. Exactly what he said. And he had been saved since 1954. He was saved longer than I've been alive. I bet you he thought he had a lot of things coming from God. Getting paid, you know. Getting paid. God's, God's in control of things. 
And God can send anybody to hell he wants to send to hell. And God can send anybody to heaven he wants to send. God could have made a lamb beat up Samson if he wanted to. He's sovereign. He doesn't do everything the way we want it done. You're working out the crossword puzzle already? <coughs> By the way, there's a reward for that, you know. Uh, God is in control. And what does it say? The, there's another verse here. talks about our ways are not his ways, or his ways are not our ways. Uh, Matthew 6.13 I think that's where we're going. I'm not quite sure. Nope, that's where we just read. Uh, Romans 8.28 we could use. All things work together to good that love God and are called according to his purpose. We're not in control of this world, and we're not in control even of our own destiny. Boy, that's a mouthful. But if you want to get real theological about things, God does what he wants. And he sent his only son down to die for each one of us. And I'm going to be happy just to walk through those heavenly gates. I'm going to hold God to his word, and I'm going to get in there. He wants you to do that. He doesn't want you to segregate anybody from eternity, whether it be for physical reasons or spiritual reasons. Oh, I've been saved since I was 1954. I got insight into all this. I know what it's all about. The church in that town that we started, it's still there today. The Lord will bless. And whether I get rewards in heaven is up to God, not me. And whether I'm counted worthy of them or not, it's not up to me. It's up to God. Whether I feel I have earned my way to heaven or whether I feel I have honored the Lord all my life and have the gates wide open for me and I'm going to go pick up some crowns, it's not up to me. It's up to God. He can pay me whatever he wants long as I get paid. <laughs> and that payment has already been outlined for each one of us in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to hang my salvation on that verse. Isn't it what this chapter started about? The kingdom of heaven is like... Man, if I had to go on my ancestry, which some of these people he was talking to were counting on, I would fall very short of the kingdom of heaven. And if I had to go on my works, I would fall very short of the kingdom of heaven. I got saved when I was young, younger, younger than I am now, that's for sure. But you know, I haven't given up near as much as the last next guy. And there's a verse about that, too, comparing ourselves to others. You know, when you talk to somebody about salvation and they, they say, well, I'm not so bad. 
I'm, 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 gonna, I'm not so bad. Look at the, I haven't killed nobody. I'm not rioting in the streets. I'm not as bad as my neighbor. He shot his dog. That's comparing yourself to somebody else. You're compared to God's word. Each one of us. God's word's going to be standing right there next to you if you read your scriptures. And that's your way to get to heaven. The sovereign God will pay you what he wants. He's the one who holds the kingdom's keys to the heaven. And we talk about the church, and we could go into... But what I'm trying to get across here is this thing makes a lot more sense when we just put our hands into what, we, what do you expect from God. I'm only promised eternal life. That's all I'm promised. And I'm told if I read my scripture, that it's going to be a lot better than this one. And I'm not in control of things past that. But the ticket you got to get to get the eternal life is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Every one of us have to cross that bridge. No matter what color we are, no matter how much money we got, no matter how much power we are chasing or come from, we have to cross that threshold. And the only one who can judge us is Jesus Christ. So, I'm certainly proud of everyone here, but that doesn't mean we're all going to heaven. I hope, I, I know I'm going, and I hope you know you're going because you trust in God's word. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek the same Lord calls on is rich unto all that call upon him. The Lord will bless you. Let's all stand. So, if you want to know what heaven's like, there's going to be all kinds of people there. And there's going to be only one way to get there. And that's the kind of people that are going to be there. And I'm not talking just about color. I'm talking about from spiritual persuasions. They're not, when you get there to heaven, they're not going to ask you if you're a Baptist. They're not going to ask you if you're an Anabaptist. They're not going to ask you if you're a Landmark Baptist. They're not going to ask you if you're a Berean Baptist. They're not going to ask you if you're Seventh-day Adventist. They're not going to ask you if you're a Jehovah Witness. They're not going to ask you if you're uh, a Roman Catholic. They're going to ask you if you know Jesus. If you want to know Jesus, open your Bible up to John chapter 3, verse 16. Realize that he is the supreme, supreme Godhead. He's part of the whole ball of wax. That God the Father sent Jesus Christ down to this planet for each and every one of us. And that's what you need to be sure about. And you'll get to heaven if you accept him, believe and confess him. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to tithe. You don't have to give money to the Lord. You don't have to. You, you could die. He's in control. He'll pay you. He'll know how much it's in your heart. Think of the thief on the cross sitting there, hanging there between heaven and earth. And he looks to Jesus and says, remember me when I'm in paradise. Oh, he didn't say the special prayer. Oh, he didn't say, I'm sorry for all my sins. He, he didn't say a whole lot, but he acknowledged Jesus Christ as his Savior. That's all he had straight, theology. He didn't speak in tongues. He didn't believe this. He didn't believe that. He didn't do, he believed 
in the only ticket, the only thing really important to God. The rest he allows us for our own benefit. Had he trusted in God earlier in life, he might not have been hanging on that cross. So I'm not belittling that part. But what I'm saying is, we all need to come to terms with Jesus Christ. We all need to know him as our personal Savior. And you can take solace and rest knowing that you're going to get paid. I don't know how much. But he's promised you each and everyone in this room eternal life. And if you trust in that, you'll get there.